Welcome to another episode of A Pint with Shawnee B. I've got a great guest today for you all. I'm in Sydney, in Paddington, at my favorite restaurant in the world, which I've been coming to for 20 years. It's one of the reasons I go back to Sydney. And I'm here with the owner and chef extraordinaire, art collector. And he's been running this business since 1987, and it's still... No, already I've made a mistake. Go on, interrupt. You're on, you're on well, the air. This is Armando... How do you pronounce your surname? Percuoco. Percuoco. Was that good? In Australia, I opened my first restaurant in 79. 79. That's right. Bon Recordo, where we are but tonight. No, it's open at 97. So I got that bit right. The USU, perfect, all right. But uh, my very first restaurant in Australia was uh, in 79, and used to call Puccinella. One of the greatest things about this restaurant is his signature dish, which is a pasta, which I let him explain. But this pasta won... The Global Pasta of the Year Award one year by an Italian food magazine, which must have tickled you pink when you found, when you won that. Tell me that story. Well, Grazia magazine in Italy. Uh, they sent me that magazine, and I said, "What's that?" And, uh, I mean, it's a quite, quite an important magazine, right? And uh, I opened the things, and they voted me number one in the world. And I said, "My God, this is amazing!" I mean. Uh, you know, to uh, to achieve something like that by Italian people. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, if I achieve that by Australians or Americans yes. or French, it's one thing. But yeah. if I achieve by Italians, yeah, it's like almost twenty years ago, we've been invited in Rome for the World Gastronomy right. Conference, yeah. and that conference was in Rome, was at Hilton, mm-hmm. where Hans Beck, the most famous chefs three-star Michelin. We have about 30 journalists from Australia being invited to the World of Gastronomy and only four chefs from Australia. Very good chef, better than I am. All Italian chefs Mm -hmm. because it was World of Gastronomy for Italian food. food. The journalist said to me, was right at the beginning of the truffle eggs pasta, that you have to do a truffle eggs pasta. We choosing you because what happened, we have a six days conference, okay, and the last days, every chef of every nation, Italian, mm. yeah. have to cook one dish to demonstrate what they do in their country, yes. in Italian way. And they said, we have to do the truffle egg. I said, but hang on, we have other chefs here, why me? No, 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 you have to do the truffle eggs. I said, all right. Actually, I was very lucky because uh, those truffle eggs are made in Modena. Okay. I used to, in the beginning, I used to have them from Modena here right. by aeroplane. So I ring Modena and I explain everything. And they said to me, yeah, they, we would be very happy to send you a couple of boxes of, uh, of uh, truffle eggs. Express in, delivery to the truffle. Uh, to Hilton yeah. in Rome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sure enough, when I arrived there, I asked the chef, he said, yes, the... The truffle eggs are here. Mm. I said, oh, good. Anyway, so the last day, we, we was a Japanese next to me. Yeah? And actually, we have a very famous chef here in this country. Was a, he was a head chef of the region for many years, a search dancer, who actually said to me, come on, I can be your second today. Right. I, I said, don't be stupid. You're not my second. You're better than me. Yeah? Right. He said, come on, I'm helping you because you have to do so many truffle eggs. I yeah. said, all right, thank you. I really appreciate that. We cooked the food. Traflex went outside in the dining room where it was all dignitary. 
the head waiter coming in the kitchen after he said, do me a favor, do me a favor, can you make me another dish? Because we have a, an influential senator, Italian senator, who loved that dish, he wanted another one. <laughs> and I said, yeah, that's all right, I'll make another one. So, I think three years later, a diplomatic letter is coming here in Australia. Uh, the Italian government, it's an honor to invite you in Italy, or recognizing you as one of the best Italian restaurants around the world. Brilliant. So... I said, all right, oh, gee, that's... It was actually quite extraordinary because uh, all other chefs around the world mm. got to the same recognition. It was a beautiful uh, plug. Great. Uh, amazing plug. And was given by the Italian president. And we've been present on that pompous, beautiful palace. It was the There was King of Palace before when mm-hmm. the, the, the president lived now. I was overwhelmed. And I said... But who dropped me in? That was that senator. Ah. That senator from Italy said, no, this restaurant in Sydney have to be recognized one of the best. Armando keeps talking about the stuffed leg pasta. The first time I had it here, it arrived as our friend, mutual friend Kim Tarakis brought me to the restaurant. And one of the things he did was he ordered, he just said, what do you not eat? And I said, I don't eat, you know, mushrooms. I don't eat this and that. And so all this food started arriving. The truffle egg pasta arrives, and it looks like something you could cook at home. It, it, mm-hmm. You know, it's a bunch of uh, tagliatelle with some eggs on top and some uh, Parmesan cheese and maybe some black pepper. And they so- serve it up to you. And it's the most delicious thing I've ever eaten. And uh, Armando said to me once that any t- anyone who eats this dish, I always have them for life as a customer, right? Well, that's true. I mean, uh, uh, some lady actually uh, very nicely, they, they say... I have to have an orgasm on my test spots. <laughs> and uh, and then another lady come to me and said to me, I have to have my fix. Yes, I, I'm the same. I come back here. Uh, uh, this is my, uh, I'm only here for two weeks, and it's my second time tonight here. I, I remember very well uh, one lady, through all the pregnancy she had, uh, she used to come every three weeks, and she had to have uh, a main course pasta, not entree pasta, oh a main it's course quite rich. We actually nickname the baby a truffle eggs baby. <laughs> you have been at the top of your game here for 30 years nearly. How do you keep turning up every night? I arrive tonight, I'll have a lovely meal, but then you won't see me for two years. You welcome me to your restaurant. My friends all think it's one of the greatest treats, but tomorrow you've got to turn up on the next day and you never know when the guy's going to come in to review the restaurant. How do you keep it going? Well, it is a very, very simple in the restaurant business. If you are a chef or restaurateur, let me say one thing. It is a different story from restaurateur who want to make money and the restaurateur who is really a restaurateur and want to look after the customer. We are in the restaurant business for the pleasure to satisfy people. It's not a question, I look at you and I think this is another $100. If I have 100 people one night, 99 people, they adore the food what I did, and they love what I, what I did, and they say thank you to me. And one person, mm-hmm. up to 99, one person say, I didn't like your food, and something was wrong with the food. I go home really upset, mm. and I try to analyze the day after why that lady or gentleman was upset why I done wrong to not satisfy that yeah. person. To be honest with you, we choose that professional 
to restore people. That's what restaurant business is about. Mm. Restore people. Mm. Now we have to embrace our customer. Mm. The customer coming in the restaurant, uh, they're tired, they have a heavy business day, mm. they fight with the wife, <laughs> uh, the business is bad. So all that kind of respect and things mm. coming in the restaurant. Mm. Okay, so we have to be good enough to say, take your jacket out, relax, let me look after you. You also have a reputation as being extremely fiery. I've, you have a, a glass uh, window into your kitchen, and I have been here on occasion where you've been <laughs> losing your shit in there with your chefs. And yet you also have a reputation for having had staff, I'm thinking about Philip and people like that, for many, many years who've stayed with you for decades and decades. Explain to me the reason why you still have enough passion to lose your shit and why people stick with you. Because I don't talk for the sake of talking. I don't scream because I want to become a bigger person against them. Mm -hmm. I scream with reason when they're doing something wrong and because I'm a passion about food. And then again, I have to tell you, Sean, it is not only me, but every chef... Now, let me say one thing. Apart from every chef in the world do exactly the same thing, but we do not hold crouch. Yes. For long. If I scream one of my chefs in the kitchen, after a couple of hours, it's finished. Right. As a matter of fact, I have a staff come to me a few hours later and say, Chef, I'm sorry. I said, Why? What did you do? <laughs> it's gone. <laughs> it's gone. Right, right. Now, if you old crutch yeah. for a long time with your staff, yeah. and I'm sorry you're not deserved to be in the restaurant business. Right, okay. okay. Because it is the spirit of the moment. And why is that spirit of the moment? Because you have to concentrate on yourself. You're running, you're running a brigade in the kitchen of so many people. Mm. You're running a, a staff outside of so many people. And you are the responsible of everybody. Yes, yes. It's like the, the conduct of orchestra. Yes, yes. You are responsible of everybody. So automatically, if a customer is not happy, it doesn't say, oh, I'm not happy with the chef. I'm not happy with the waiter. I'm not happy with Armando. Mm, so yeah, the responsibility yeah. fall on yeah, me. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why you have to you have to concentrate every minute. Also, let me tell you. I mean, this is an analogy. If I've been so placid in the kitchen, okay, people will come in the restaurant seven thirty. Why they come seven thirty? Because they're hungry seven thirty. They want to eat seven thirty. Mm -hmm. They don't want to eat eight o'clock or eight thirty. The mm -hmm. first course. Yeah. They're hungry then and there. So if I start in the kitchen, the order come and I say, oh, please, I'm sorry, can you do that on tray? But when you're ready, please don't worry about uh, and be so nice and loving and loving with the chefs who do the entree or the mm. or the, 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 the or something else, the food will never come out. <laughs> I wanted the food now. Yeah, yeah. Did you, did you worry about the fact that all your guests could see you in the kitchen? Yes, uh, 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 very much so. As a matter of fact, uh, I have my wife uh, every five few minutes coming in the kitchen and I say, <laughs> I can hear your bad language outside. <laughs> and I say, well, some customer I have to say and I have to admit 
they've been offended. Yeah, yeah. You know, they've been offended. But some majority of the customer, I think, on those days understand because quite a few, quite a few of us come out on TV yeah. and we show exactly what the Gordon Ramsay's famous. <laughs> well, for, you know. and the, trust me, Ramsay is another is another nasty person outside of the no, kitchen. He's no. a really wonderful person, right, right. and then unfortunately, it's a kitchen who we are becoming a beast. The loyalty of your staff. Talk to me about that. You well, know. the loyalty of my staff, because as I say, I don't, uh, I don't talk for the sake of uh, just talking or, or trying to make myself big in front yeah. of them. I don't put people down. I scream with reason. I scream because they, they have to be screened. And again, I forgot it. I think this is no difference between me and my staff. As a matter of fact, my staff is more important than I am mm. because without my staff... I can't run anything. Yes, yes. Especially uh, both of them, with dining room and, and kitchen. Uh, you have to trust both of them because uh, your people in the dining room, if they want to be nasty to you, it's easy to losing a lot of customers in one night and you're losing them forever on those yes. days. It is not like 40, 50 years ago. I entered in the business 53 years ago. Wow. <laughs> tell me a little bit. You're from Naples. Tell yes, me, I'm so Tell me a Naples. bit about what it was like growing up there when you were growing up because your, your, your family are all restaurants. Yes, uh, well, uh, when, uh, when I grew up in Naples... Uh, uh, at the age of 14, I thought I knew everything. And I said to my father, I don't want to go to school. And my father looked at me, he was very, very firm. Was he in the restaurant? Yes, of right. course. A very firm but very placid person. He's never screamed in his life, actually. But when he was talking, uh, my mother was screaming at me and she broke so many wood spoons on me. <laughs> you could not believe. But my father, when he was talking to me, he made me cry. So I said to my father, I said, I don't want to go to school. He said, fine. You're coming in the restaurant. Right. So three months later, because we, in Italy in that time we have three months of school holiday yes. in summer. And three months later I said to my, I saw how hard it was. And I said, well, I want, I want <laughs> to go back. <laughs> I want to go back to school. <laughs> so, but slowly, slowly, slowly I realized uh, that was my my life right. in the restaurant I love so much and uh, a very famous Naples of course I mean I, I went to the what's the name of the famous uh, the home of pizza was there Dan, Dan, Dan Michele yeah, I've been in yes, there and yes, your friend yes. uh, Don Alfonso, Don Alfonso yes. I've been there That's up right. at Sorrento That's so correct. you do bring an awful lot of that memory with you don't you yes. into your food well being 53 years in the restaurant business is not easy and it's a long long time mm. half a century when I went in the restaurant business, I didn't start to cook. Mm. I was young. So my father said, okay, you, you go and washing glasses and cups. So that's what I was doing for months and months I was washing. After that, he said, okay, that's enough. Now you go in the coffee machine. And but the coffee machine was just outside the kitchen. And I was looking in the kitchen all the time. I was very interested in what the kitchen so, was your father's restaurant well regarded? Yeah, my father in that time, to be honest with you, was not his restaurant. He was the manager of that okay, restaurant. Okay. It was one of the leading restaurants in Naples. Right. We have the uh, Hirokito, the Prince of uh, Japan. There, okay, as a guest. Right, right. We have Lucky Luciano, yeah. the gangster from yeah, America. Yeah, yeah. He was a regular customer wow. there. Uh, King Farouk 
was a, a regular customer wow. of us. I mean, a really lot of personalities yeah. coming uh, yeah. through that restaurant. It was a really beautiful restaurant, and I I learned my trade. Unbelievable there. And, uh, and after so, coffee? After coffee, I said to my father, I would like to go in the kitchen. So um, so I was very young there. We bought a uniform. The uniform was beautiful and white. It was brand new. Uh, uh, in the morning, at uh, 8 o'clock, I have to be in the kitchen with the chefs. kitchen was big as this restaurant. Mm. And we have an island in the middle. And was no gas. was cold. Really? Yes. So you take in the tops off, and then you have to fire the coals. Yeah. So who actually was doing that was two apprentices. Mm-hmm. Was a, a friend of mine and myself mm-hmm. going up on the stairs in the back of the kitchen with the shovel, wow. fill up a big container, bring it down and fall. Now, by the time we were doing that, by 9 o'clock when the chef was come, we were black. <laughs> and he screamed at us. Of course. <laughs> and I said, this is not right in the head. He's not right in the head. <laughs> and my father said, shut up. You don't answer the chef. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Do not answer. You're not talking to the chef. Yeah. You're an apprentice. You're nobody. So that was my first encounter with that. Then, finally, they put me on the... The first day, they said, you are on the stove now. So I was, oh, yeah, now I'm cooking. <laughs> so they give me a, a pot of copper and a wood spoon, and they put something inside where I could not see what it was. It was some liquid and soft. And the chef said to me, now you stay on the stove and you, you stir. stir that until everything is coagulating together. So I was there for an hour and a half. <laughs> the stove was hot as anything. I was sweating like mad. And I was stirring and stirring and stirring and stirring and nobody said anything. And finally, two hours later, my father said to chef, you think that's enough? And the moment they say yes, all whole chefs, there were 15 chefs there in the kitchen, <laughs> they all start to laugh. Oh, boy. Mad, and I realized what they put in the pot was grease and water. <laughs> so it's never going to... Never! <laughs> <laughs> Do you still play pranks with your stuff? Well, yes, sometimes, unfortunately... Uh, um, they say psychologically, if you've been abused when you're young, you're abusing it. <laughs> I know. How did you end up coming from Naples to Australia? Okay. Uh, I didn't want to come to Australia. Uh, my father, one day, we were sitting at, uh, in Italy, in, in Naples anyway, particularly in Naples, so we have an habit. Uh, you, uh, all the stuff eat before 12 o'clock. Right. Okay, because we don't start 12 o'clock like here in this country. Yeah. You start one thirty, two o'clock. So 12 o'clock, 11.30 actually, you're sitting on the table of everybody and, and having meal. So one day my father, out of the blue, he said, I'm going to Australia. I look at him and I said, what? He said, I'm going to Australia. I said, oh, I don't understand. I said, why are you going to Australia? I said, you, t- you lost your mind. First of all, you want to go away from this country. I mean, Naples for me was everything. You know, you beautiful, don't leave yeah. Naples. It's a beautiful city. Mm. Yeah. And I said, but 
at least tell me you will go to America, to a civilized country. <laughs> I said, what are you doing with the kangaroo in the middle of the street? He said, no, 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 it's not like that. I researched my, my father was speaking four language fluently. Right. And he speaks English, that's beautiful. And he said, no, 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 Australia, it's the country to go. Were you an only child? No, no six you're... of us. Six? <laughs> Good six, Catholic family. Six, or six <laughs> of us, six, five siblings. Like the Irish. Yes, not TV in that time. <laughs> and uh, so uh, I said, all right, you go. I don't want I stay here in this country. Right. I was married with two children. I said, no, 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 I'm not going anywhere. So automatically, one of our chefs, I said, I'm coming too. And the Medrutine said, I'm coming too. Wow. So both three families come together in Sydney. So I went down to the port of Naples and I said goodbye because they were at the ship. I said goodbye. Of course, I was sad that leave, you know, my family, mum and dad and my sibling are leaving. I, I mean, I have only cousins and auntie, but, uh, but I have my two children. And then, to be honest with you, two reasons why... Uh, I tell you why the reason my father left, yeah. but I tell you later. That one year later, my marriage was not doing really well, and also I really miss the family. Yeah. yeah. And my father was ringing me all the time and used to say, "How great it was here! This is a beautiful country. The only decent restaurant in Italian is a Beppe, yes, and nobody else. And you have to come because I need you." And uh, and uh, to be honest, because I saw those two things, you now my my family was on the rocking, and and I miss the family. I decide to come. So mm. an uncle of mine actually followed me as well. Right. <laughs> it was an invasion. <laughs> yes, it was an invasion. <laughs> and uh, anyway, so that was my father came in 1971, mm -hmm. and I come in 72. Right. Okay. Uh, prior, prior to that, it, Naples was always a not dangerous space, but was a... It was mafia. Was a, no. A bit. Now, let me tell you, <laughs> the phenomenon of the Camorra. Mm. You see, this is what a lot of people don't know. The Camorra was not the Camorra we have now. Right. Really, the Camorra started around the, uh, the middle of the 60s. Yeah. In the way it is now. Not before. Right. Before was perfect or right. right. In the middle of the 60s, we start to hear restaurants that have been touched. They're asking restaurants to yeah. pay money. But before Protection that, money that yeah. we didn't have those things. Right, right. The whole system of... Uh, Gangster in Naples. The mafia was in Sicily. Yes. The mafia was not yes. in Naples. Yes. The Camorra was existing only touching uh, gambling club yeah. and prostitution. Right. And nothing else. Right. Because all the drugs on the waterfront, all the drugs in Naples was run by the Marseillais from Marseille. Ah, right, right, right. Very similar tone in both cities. Right, and yes, and we have uh, a black market of American cigarette. It was huge, yeah. very big. Yeah. The government tried to destroy the black market, mm -hmm. so automatically they destroyed the black market, and I'm not going because I need all night to explain to <laughs> you the whole situation. It was an, an industry, a big industry. Yeah. Yeah. Automatically, one gentleman is named Kutolo, 
that's who the first boss of the Camorra come out and say because there was a lot of people working in that industry and all of a sudden they could not work anymore. Mm-hmm. So they were making a lot of money per week and he come out and said, you come and work for me, I'll give you the same money plus I'll give you the solicitor if something happens to you. And that's how he built the first Camorra family. Right. Was that Kutolo. Mm-hmm. Then after that, the family started to moving around and changing and swapping and now we have a, a totally disaster yes, in, yes. in Naples yeah, and yeah. the Camorra now it's not only Naples no, but it's all over, over Italy know, it know. does matter of fact but we never have that phenomenon before yeah okay so and when the, that happens and then in 71 my father had enough he said I want to get out of this well, he could country. see what was happening it was, uh, that's what's happening. He was, ahead of, he was able to envisage me. Yeah, but there was happens all the time. From yeah. uh, the middle of the 60s, right, right. you will start to hear people have to pay that, people have to pay that. Uh, my it uncle... Was becoming violent as My well. uncle moving from one restaurant to another restaurant because of that. Uh, yeah, yeah. I love Italy very much. Italy. I do not like the government in Italy, any government, doesn't matter left or right, yeah. they are a disaster. Yeah. Uh, the politicians are a disaster in Italy, but I love Italy. Italy yes. is one of the, and I'm sorry guys to say, one of the most beautiful countries in the world. I agree. Okay? They totally destroyed what that beautiful country is all about. Yeah. And I love Italian food over French food because I find the French chefs so up themselves. I love this sort of there's a little bit more of a humility with the Italian food, and it's a bit more like what you do. Armando's restaurant is not um, frou frou, okay? You 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 make food that's to be eaten. I think would that be that's, fair? That's correct. And and like some that's of his correct. dishes, it's all silver service. It's white linen. It's exceptional service, but it's a spoonful on your plate from a big pot or whatever, and it's mm-hmm. all it's all designed to be that kind of almost peasant food. That's correct. Uh, that's sort correct. of sort that's of tone correct. of voice. That's correct. How did you get on then in Sydney with your first restaurant when you arrived? Did you well? First of all, did you like it when well, you arrived? No, I didn't like it. No, uh, I didn't like. I didn't like at all Australia. Uh, my God, I was uh, I was trying to go away every second month, <laughs> go back to Italy. I didn't particularly <laughs> like Australia at all. Uh, and as a matter of fact, was not ingredient to work in this country. I asked the olive oil, and they tell me the chemist have olive oil, and I said, Jesus, that's a strange country. <laughs> the chemist have. Olive oil, okay. For instance, I asked for scampi. They don't understand what scampi was. Yeah, yeah I asked for rucola. They didn't send a rocket what it was. I asked for radicchio. They didn't understand what radicchio <laughs> was. Uh, I asked for tomato, and they wanted to give me something pale, pink, and green. And I said, that's not tomato. Uh, I was asking for capsicum, and the only capsicum was green. Uh, uh, I, I, I asked him for veal and they wanted to give me healing. I asked him for baby lamb and they wanted to give me my grandfather. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, to God, that was an absolutely disaster yeah. here. No, no, I said, I want to go back to Italy. But anyway, thank God, I have to say, I didn't went to Italy because after 44 years now of being in this country, I adopted the country. Yeah. Uh, the country adopted me with all respect for any other country in the world. I think that's one of the most beautiful countries in the world. I think you're right. And we are very, very civilized here in this country. Everybody's civilized. Mm. And uh, I'm so happy. My children, my grandchildren, I'm happy to have them 
you had a reputation as being someone who fixed a lot of those problems with the food when they didn't know. And, you know, you brought new taste to the country. I could not speak a word of English. My background in school was French. My yeah. background in the kitchen was French. I couldn't even say allow. So I said to everybody, I said, give me a little bit of time to understand those people, first of all, yeah, yeah. you know, to understand the mentality and everything. So finally, seven years later, in seven, in 79, yeah. I said to my father, I'm ready. We can open a restaurant now. Okay, so you did your and, apprentice thing. Yeah. Yes. Did you see the opportunity, though? Oh, yes, the opportunity was enormous, as I say, because a lot of things was not uh, not done in this right. country. We done the first mascarpone in this country. We done the first antipasto in this country. I done the simple things like a zucchini flour. Nobody knew what zucchini flour was, yeah. how to cook. Mm. And I was fighting, actually, with the greengrocer yeah. to say, but you have a zucchini. Can you tell the grower, you have a zucchini, you have to have the flour. Yeah. Can you give me the flour? No, he chucked away. <laughs> Oh, I said, oh, my God. I remember especially with the mascarpone because we have that mascarpone. Now, the first, the first book I did... Armando has published two cookbooks. Three books. Three books, actually, one recently. Yes, that's right. Yeah. So I'll, I'll link them onto the podcast so anyone who's listening can get a link to them and I'm sure they're on Amazon or wherever they can buy uh, yes. them. Yes. Uh, now, my very first book, i dedicating a page of the gentleman who is dead now who used to do the first mascarpone in this country. The, the cheesemaker, Paisanella, Umberto, is dead now. His, his children running the business. Mm-hmm. And when I went to him and I said, can you make mascarpone? Uh, nobody knew mascarpone in this country. And he jumped. And he said, I don't want to make mascarpone. I said, oh, my God, what, what's wrong with you? And he said, you know what? As a matter of fact, six months ago, I make a tub of mascarpone of two liters. And I give it to David Jones, mm. and David Jones put it in the rubbish. He didn't yeah. even want to see me here. So I don't want to, I said, please, can you do mascarpone for I said to my father, I said, how can you explain English-speaking people mascarpone what it is? How you translate? He said, cream cheese. Yeah. And I said, okay, cream cheese. How can you tell it's a dessert, that yeah. cream cheese yeah. can be a dessert? So we used to buy Fabri cherry, and we used to put an endemic up an espresso cup, a bit of mascarpone and a cherry and a bit of juice mm. and with the spoon give it to people for nothing. Try okay. that. Right, right. So right. Uh, we actually We're changing their taste. We spending uh, so much money yeah. on trying to let them understand what mascarpone was. So automatically the next time they were coming in the restaurant they, they said, oh, I have yeah, the mascarpone. Very good, very good. So this is where the mascarpone are is not your mother country. And it's not their food. Mm. And now, especially in this country, was a, a roast and three veg. That's yes, all yeah, was. Counteries. And the pasta. You know how many times they send me the pasta saying it was not cooked? Of course, because it's al dente. Because al dente. Yeah, yeah. And I said, oh, my God. Then I understood. I said, well, let's cook a little bit more the pasta. Yeah. Now, we reach now, actually, to be honest they know with now. you. If you cook soft pasta, they send it back. You're yeah, in trouble you're in on trouble, those days. Trouble, trouble. You know, so it is wonderful in this country. I got an enormous satisfaction in this country yeah. now because actually people know how to eat maybe better, not better, but equal as Italians. You're only as good as your ingredients. And I know you've done a lot of work with a farm to, to, to do your own ingredients. And a lot of the stuff comes from your farm, right? Yes, yes, a lot. Well, olive oil, my, uh, thank God, 
I bought a farm 20 years ago and we have our Seville Orange, we do a marmalade and we do commercial for the customer yeah. and for delicatessen. I do a chili oil, I do olive oil, I do chili pastry, whatever I have in the country all the time, you know, like tomato and basil. And, yeah. uh, uh, I've, I've, I've run foul of Armando sometimes when I'm here because I have a few favorite dishes and I used to drive him mad because I'd ask for them and he go, you can't have them because I don't have the ingredients. They're not in season at the moment. <laughs> well, uh, you see, the unfortunate part, of, I mean, we, as I say, Australians uh, learn extremely well how to eat Italian food mm. and I'm extremely happy because I don't have to battle anymore with the people. But unfortunately, this is what we maybe will be my next book, I want to do a season because people do Very not idea, understand yeah. season. Mm. See, figs, for instance, they're all right now. Figs at the moment are very good. Now, the figs in this country go from uh, the end of December to maybe May at the most because we're blessed with all different states, different climate, yeah. so we can use all the, those months. But people come in July, August, mm. when the trees don't even have leaves on. Yeah, no. And they ask me, oh, can we have figs tonight? <laughs> and I said, yeah. I said, many years ago, we used to have somebody import from Israel in winter yeah. because it was summer there. But they don't import anymore because you have so much figs, you have to wait another three months. <laughs> How did you decide to go for it here? Uh, so this is Bon Recordo, this is 87. You decided you were going to go out on your own then? No, well, no. Uh, my, uh, you were with your father. I was with my father. We were partner. My father and I were partner in 1979 there. And what's happened? I bought this building. Yeah. So Bon Record is a really beautiful building. It's a lovely room. And he, you also two very different tones upstairs. Is a, and you've invested so much in art. The art here is absolutely superb. The art is probably worth as much as the building. Uh, you, you, you're, you're, you're a very passionate man about art. Well, I love art, yes. Yeah. I, I bought the building because uh, I want... Uh, see, Puccino was a beautiful restaurant, but it was a casual restaurant. I want evolved. I want to do a more fine dining yeah. in that time. So I asked my father, I want to buy that building. Can we go in partnership on the building? Mm. And actually, my father was right. He was a very... Very smart man. He said to me, no, you're going by the building because if something happens to me, you will have trouble with your sibling. Of course. So I bought the building and for three years, from 87 to 90, we actually, Gem and I, my wife and I, we were running, almost working seven days a week because we still have Puccinella until 90. But my father and my mother was lived there mm. and I used to go to replace them two days off wow. I used to go and work so and I used to go at night I finish at 10 o'clock I used to go and see what's going on there for three years we really working seven days a week Jim mm. and I mm. at the end in 99 my father said to me you think I can retire he was not very well, he was sick. Mm. And I said, no, I don't think she can retire. I can afford you retire. <laughs> <laughs> I said, what I'm doing by myself? And he said, well, I'm sorry, but I have to retire. So that's why we sold Pulcinella. Okay. And because this one, I have the building. Mm. And I was established already here. Mm. And he went up the Gold Coast. And as a matter of fact, my brother 
actually is follow one of my brother who used to have a, a beautiful restaurant in Sydney and then he went up there and he opened a restaurant in the Gold Coast and uh, well because you see we're five six, six all together mm. five of us in the restaurant business really yeah. and you, and your father's father right and my father's father and okay, my, so and, my grand, and your son now and my grand grandfather and your and son my now. son actually just this week okay opened a restaurant in Italy did he really yes in Puglia where it's a very very trendy region at the moment yeah. for people to go up. I want to so. talk to you a little bit about the whole critics thing you're very outspoken you're not afraid to fight back if you feel you've been wronged they, they have this thing in Sydney or Australia called the amount of hats it's a bit like Michelin stars Armando's restaurant has always had two hats for as long as I can remember I was the longer the longer Sydney restaurant to have two hats I would of course say it should deserve three hats because it's no. my favorite restaurant in the world. No. He doesn't agree. No. You're very good friends with Tetsuya. I know this and That's he's correct. he's he's been one of the three hat restaurants for many years. Um demoted. But he lost one as well. So anyway, the way it works is the Sydney Morning Herald have got a bunch of journalists and I guess they send people out. It's led by a guy called Terry Girac. How Tell me a little bit about that whole process and how you feel about it and how well, it affects I, your business. Well, I, uh, I was extremely angry with them. To be honest with you, I have to understand the journalist. Journalists have to sell paper. Yes. That's all they do. Yes. They don't have any other skills. They don't have to make dinner. They don't map dinner <laughs> and things like that. They have to sell. They have to be sensational. Automatically, time to time, they have to demote somebody mm. to make headlines. Because if every year you have the same people, you have those people have one head, those people have two heads, these people have three heads, it becomes boring. boring. Yes. I was doing research for this interview today, and I was going back just because I've been away for, as you know, 10 years you know, from Australia. And um, I, I, Tetsuya is, is, a, is a Japanese fu- fusion, fusion French. French restaurant, which has been one of the you know, stalwarts of the Sydney dining scene for many years. But I remember reading an article when he lost his third hat, went down to two, that somebody said, oh, he's had this trout dish on the menu for 18 years. And That's uh, ridiculous. If you, if you ever take the pasta dish off your menu, I won't come back to your restaurant. No, I tell you one thing. See, if I take my trough legs pasta, two things can happen to me. Or I go bankrupt because people will not come back anymore. Yeah. Or somebody shoot me. Trust me. <laughs> it is so <laughs> like important for them. <laughs> it, it is. That's what it is. Yeah. I, I, as I say, I was extremely angry uh, with the journalists because I thought, well, we don't deserve. Not only me, but all those restaurants being the modern now and on. We don't deserve that. We're working very hard. Okay, fair enough. It's their job to come and critique us. And I accept that. But do constructive criticism. Yeah. So the criticism, if I remember, was that you weren't doing creative enough dishes. And this is not what your restaurant's about. Well, I don't creating so much dish, but it, uh, you have a, a restaurant in France and, and in Italy, a 200 totally years old restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. With same family, and yeah. they have the same menu. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's why you're going there yeah. that's for why those this... dishes. Yeah. You're not going to Norma. You're not going to Bully. We're innovative. Yeah. Leave it to those Steam people to coming be out of the, yes, yeah. innovative things. Yeah. Please, by all means, I'm yeah. not against it. The question I guess I have is how you managed to pick yourself up because you got your hat back. 
and I know you're an angry guy, but you had to you had to you had to bite your tongue and what get it. Yeah, no, I didn't have to bite my tongue to be honest with you. We make up actually last week. Terry and I and Jill on the steps of the cathedral in Sydney because we all attend yes, uh, Beppe's funeral. Yes. So and Beppe was a very famous... Beppe, Lucio and Armando are the three sort of holy trinity of Italian chefs true. in Sydney that's and uh, one of them passed away. He was a, he was an old man um, last... just a, uh, two weeks ago, right? Yes, two weeks yeah, ago. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, with a great respect because he actually was 60 years in the same restaurant. Wow. 60 years. Mm. He died at the age of 90. And when, uh, when we come out on the steps of the cathedral, I look at Terry and Jill and I said, no, you don't hold crutch to people. Yeah. I, I went there and I hug yeah. and I said, come on guys because previously last year they come here under different booking mm-hmm. don't even sit down I was so angry, I said, I can accept your booking you have to get out of here you. These guys are the, the king journalists for the good food guide and all that kind of stuff that's what I mean about you, I like that about you I was, I I was extremely you. angry and I said, I can't accept your booking Yeah full stop and being not uh, vindicative I thought that day now we have to make peace because life is too short mm. I didn't done because I need they being nice to me and I don't try to be arrogant mm. uh, I think I establish a, a good business mm. I do not need a journalist anymore mm. to talk about me I done it because I'm an honest person. Yeah. Uh, I'm not vindictive, yeah. and I said life's too short. Well, I said Terry, please hug me, right. and let's finish there. Okay, I can imagine for a lot of restaurants, the detrimental effect to actual business that losing a hat would be. But I think this well, restaurant uh, is one that I see as having huge loyal customers. Well, let customers. me let me tell you. So I'm not critics. Sometimes they should be very careful. We actually spend millions of dollars. Uh, to running a restaurant, yeah. you know, uh, you, you not only maybe buy the property, but just to run up a restaurant in those days, you need two, three million dollars. Yeah. So you actually put your life in line yeah. to do something, and then some guy gets out of the some bed guys the wrong coming way. out and say, only because you have to have a sensation in, in, in the newspaper. He put you down. Now the customer don't know that. Mm. The customer follow the critic. Mm. They don't come in the restaurant yeah. anymore. You go bankrupt. What about things like Yelp and the way the whole internet community is? is, is? I think it's the blogs on those days. Can I say they're more correct? The than, wisdom of crowds. Than the journalists. Because the blog doesn't need... The journalists have to respond to, to a, an editor. Plus, it's one guy on one day, whereas the blogs it's, are like a exactly. whole year. And so, I, to be honest with you, I think that the blogs are more, in my view, more respectable because they they follow the restaurant all the time. What do you say just before we finish? What do you say to a young person who's eighteen, nineteen years old, anywhere in the world, wants to get into the restaurant game? What three pieces of wisdom do you pass back to them? Oh, it's very simple. Unfortunately, the younger generation now, they want to be Strudway famous. They want to be famous and they want to have their own restaurant. Uh, restaurant business, be a chef or a restaurateur, it's like you building a big building. Yeah. If you don't have the foundation yeah. solid, yes. you can't go up. 
Right, right, right. And that's what we younger kids have to do. Don't, after three years being in the restaurant, you want to be the famous chef, or you want to be on TV, or you want to open your own restaurant. Have a good foundation, solid foundation, and then you will stay 53 years in business like me. Brilliant. I hope that you all enjoy that. One of the greatest chefs in Australia and one of the greatest restaurants in the world. Armando, thank you for being on my podcast thank and the best of luck. And I'm about to actually go for dinner at your restaurant for tonight and I'm really looking forward to it. Good luck with the food. <laughs> thank you, sir. Thank you.